Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm your host and I'm accompanied today as always by my fellow host Lauren hey hey how are you I'm good how are you yeah not bad I'm quite excited I'm always excited let's face facts <laughs> I'm an eager beaver but um yeah I'm very excited how's your week been yeah it's all right it's only Tuesday and it does feel like it should be at least Thursday yeah, to be quite right. honest I don't know why it's just been running I think because it's January in the last Three or four days of January always seem to be like a month long, don't they? Honestly, I've been kicking and screaming just to get out of January. I did it's get paid great. yesterday, so that did help. Oh, but nice. Jesus Christ, that was well needed. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> How you been? How's your week? Yeah, I've been working right up until Sunday, so I've literally mm. had just two days off, and I'm mm. back in tomorrow, and I'm thinking, just hurry up, because mm. I've got yeah. the weekend off. Ba-dum! Oh, yeah, so you've only got three days in, and you've got two days mm-hmm. off. Oh, it's all right, isn't it? Touch, yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Long week, short week, yeah. long week, short week. Yeah. It's just been tricky, January. Like, for about three weeks between December and January, there were so many bank holidays and stuff. <laughs> I've been doing four week for ages, <laughs> and I'm still... I'm still feeling a little bit tired from it all. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, week's all right so far. Good, good. And... Like you, I'm I'm super excited because Yeek. we've got a wicked guest on today, haven't we? We have. I've wanted this guest since I heard him over on Hardcore Listed. Mm. I absolutely just fell in love with the guy before we even met him. So um, shall we introduce? Yeah, you go ahead. You set this meeting up, so go on. Okay, so we've got Gary Mansfield here. Um, do you want Good to say evening, hello, Good ladies. How are you? Hello, Gary. How are you doing? Oh, not bad, thank you. Yourself? Good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for asking. And thank you very much for the invite. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, we're over the moon to have you. We That's are. all right. I've been listening to you scary ladies for a few weeks now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hearing how much yous are into crime murder, it makes me never want to come round to the house of Whippy. Oh. <laughs> So we'll cook you a nice dinner. <laughs> yeah, you can fuck <laughs> off with your dinner. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, don't. So, should we just tell our listeners a little bit about you, Gary? Or Go do you on. want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? You can By all me. means. Yeah. I'm um, in my mid fifties at the moment. Literally, in a couple of in a couple of weeks. Um, in my mid twenties, I was arrested with um, a fair bit of drugs. Um, 4.2 million pounds worth um, out in Essex. Um, 
I was set up by a drugs gang, um, received 14 years in prison. While I was in there, discovered art. It changed my life around. Um, I corresponded with many of them famous artists that, um, you know, many of us are aware of now. Um, and, yeah, proceeded to towards a degree. And I've been a an artist for 20-odd years and a full-time artist for the last five. That's amazing, Gal. Well so, done. It's so good. Oh, yeah, thank you. inspirational. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Posi- positive yeah. twist on prison, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so it should be. There's many Very of us nice. out there. Is that an Essex accent? Yes, Romford. Ah, yes. Ah. Well, D- Dagenham I am, but Dagenham, living in yeah. Romford. Yeah, I'm from Dagenham. I know you are. I and, was probably uh, barking, same as you. And I... I can notice the accents as well being East London and and my own. And although yeah. we're only a few miles apart, I mean like East London and Dagenham, yeah. there's a definite a definite divide from that four or five miles, isn't there? Yeah, it, there is. Yeah. And even you saying Dagenham, I was like, yeah, placed it straight away. <laughs> you said it. I'm like, yeah, I know now. <laughs> Thing is, when I'm on the podcast, I try to use my telephone voice. But occasionally the old gang, the old um, Dagenham sticks out sometimes. Yeah, you can only hold it for so long, can't yeah, you? I just and said out, you. Yeah. out. <laughs> so when I try and be posh, gal, people think I'm Australian for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no, he's not Australian. Posh I promise he's Australian. <laughs> well, I've discovered the best thing yeah. to do is be yourself and then you can't go wrong, can you? Yeah, that's no, true. No, absolutely. That's true. Yeah, so we're all from the same neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so if I can ask you a question, I know this is yours, but how did the, the interest in crime and murder and crime and punishment oh, we come about you, with you two. We might have to kill you and bury you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So what it was, we just wanted a bit of structure, didn't we, to it? Mm. How did we, we both... get to the questions? Did no, we? no. Oh, yeah. how, how, how you've got such a fascination yeah. in the in the subject? Oh, we both quite like listening to true crime podcasts. Yeah, we good. like the gore. We like horror. I think that was our first Yeah, do you thing. know what? I'm a big horror fan. Yeah, we were big horror it. fans. So that was saying me and Carol, none of our other friends did, did they? Yeah. We bonded over horror. Yeah, that's my favourite genre. And we had a lady on the other day called Nancy. Um, yeah. She's involved with Crime Con and Comic Con. Yeah. And, oh, I'm so jealous. She told me this little story and I didn't say anything at the time, but I was seething this je- jealousy because she met Robert England. Okay. And she went for coffee with him and she got to hold the glove with the knives. Nice, and, and nice. I'm, I'm going, oh, that sounds that's really cool. cool. And I'm like, mix the yeah, tea. Well, with... I wasn't going to say. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, that's fine. So, so um, but yeah, um, yeah, I was like, I was being all polite and like, Oh wow, that's really cool. And inside, I'm like my 13 year old self's going, "Oh, I wish I could do that." <laughs> so yeah, I've always been willing to quite to like horror and obviously good. crime. A lot of mm. horrors are inspired by true crimes. Yeah, true good. Mm. Like well, that. it's good what you're doing here, anyway. Yeah, yeah. We uh, and we like we like the true crime genre, didn't we? And we yeah. thought we'd just try it ourselves. Yeah, we bonded over it. And so, um, yeah, I think that's where it came about, wasn't it? Us mm. bonding over it and talking about certain cases. Mm. And then you just rang me up one day and said, do you want fancy doing a podcast? <laughs> like, Why not? Well, if it's a subject you're talking about all the time, you might as well, mightn't you? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Try give it a go. Yeah, we, we see, I mean, lots of other people do it. And I just thought, well, I'll be one of them people. Yeah. Why yeah, not? good. What's the worst that can happen? If exactly. it doesn't work, it doesn't work. At least exactly. we can try. And I love a bit of, tr- I love a bit of crime around me, like me. Oh, my granddad was an illegal bookie growing up, so I grew up with it all around me anyway. And from that, I think it just seemed a bit more 
less effective. I was a bit hardened to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But now I come up across as a right wuss, especially the gory ones. I can't handle it. <laughs> can't handle it. I start calling them all different names. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't like Good. it. Yeah. But, but you still do it. Yeah, I do it. I'm tough, gal. I'm tough. Good, of course. Yeah, you don't get me, you don't don't have much of an easy upbringing in, uh, in East London. No, definitely not. Oh, I loved it. Wouldn't change it for the world. Good. I suppose a lot of people like dabble, don't they? And, and mm. things that are not quite like off the back of the lorry and bits and pieces oh, like yeah. that. So it's kind of like pretty normalised in a way. Yeah. Even things like um, bootleg DVDs and stuff. You always know people... You knew people that do my things dad, like that. And... My dad was, um, he used to have, what was it, a mobile blockbuster kind of thing, a blo- mobile yeah, yeah, yeah. VHS thing. Yeah. yeah, he always had pirates. Yeah. He used to give it out. <laughs> he had at the bottom, do not watch, it's a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, those, those little sort of things. Yeah, little around. snippets. Yeah. Yeah, so um, should we go into some questions? Oh, Gary's like, Really, really impressed us with his research. I can't get over it. Well done, girl. You've got pages and pages of research front and back, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the first question we've thrown at you is like, what is the case you find most interesting that like really fires up, fires you up? Right. Well, you did say serial killer or crime, and I know mm-hmm. it's a serial killer podcast, but if I can take the latter end of that, if you don't mind, oh, yeah. because there was a story that, <clears throat> excuse me. There was a story that I saw the film of years ago, and I just thought it was a, a just a normal story that had been made into a film, and it was called um, Triple Cross. Um, it was about uh, an English um, uh, burglar safe cracker. Now I saw it when I was young; it made quite an impression on me. Um, and then, about ten years ago, maybe more, two thousand and ten, I think it was. I used to work in a newspaper plant, printing the newspapers, and you had a lot of spare time. And uh, I'd heard about this book called um, Agent Zigzag. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, I haven't. So because I was reading the newspapers we was printing, they'd done these reviews about Agent Zigzag, and it turned out that he was a a London safe cracker in, in like 1930, you know, early 40s or what have you. And you know when... um, they have to put stuff away, lock, like the government lock information away for like 60 years or wherever. I'm sure that this time had lapsed and there was a couple of books come out about this guy. And it recommended that out of the two that had just been re- released, Agent Zigzag was the one to read. And it told you a little bit about him. And then I was fucking hooked because it was an amazing story, right? So... I I do apologise because all I'm doing, I'm just sort of, I've just nicked this off Wikipedia page rather than have to read the book again for for you, right? No, go for it. So it's, the book is called Agent Zigzag by Ben McIntyre. And it came out in, I think it was 2010, 11, something like that. Well, the guy's name, he's he's fairly well known. I'd heard of him when they was telling me this story. And his, his name's Eddie Chapman, right? So he was born 1914 died in 1997. Um, He started life when he was 17. He joined the army and he was um, guarding in the Tower of London. And when he was on leave, he's gone up into Soho, met a girl, went AWOL, ended up doing a bit of time in the barrack prison um, and getting kicked out of the army. Um, Then a few months later, 
he found himself in Wormwood Scrubs through doing kiting, uh, sorry, through doing fraudulent checks. So he was in there for a little while. Um, and then he met some people in there and become part of this burglary gang who were breaking into places and getting the safe, either stealing the safe and blowing it up later, or, you know, and oh, and they were called the Jelly Gang as well. Nice. So they was either blowing them up there and then and taking the dough or just taking the entire Peter, uh, sorry, taking the entire <laughs> safe and blowing it up later on. I can picture him with the like, little ear things in, you know, like the stethoscope. <laughs> That's exactly. what I'm picturing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so they were called the Jelly Gang. So he was, he was obviously, you know, like Del Boy, uh, like Rodney's dad, wasn't it? You know, Jelly, <laughs> yeah. Jelly Kelly or whatever his name was. <laughs> Freddie the Frog, wasn't it? Freddie the Frog, of yeah. course Freddy it the was. Frog. Jelly. Um, oh. So he became part of the Jelly Gang. And then they've gone up to Scotland, up to Edinburgh, to burgle the Edinburgh, um, the HQ of the Edinburgh Cooperative Society. So he's ended up getting nicked up there. And, but they give him a bit of bow. So he, when he, when he got given bow, rather than wait around, he opted to Jersey. And um, he met some girl over there and they was in a hotel uh, restaurant. And, um, as, he's, as they're sort of having their meal, he's seen this guy coming towards him and he recognised him from being one of the like plainclothes old Bill from oh, back no. in the UK. So what he's done, rather than just sort of like try and get away, he's, he's gone running towards a plate glass window <laughs> and dived through it. No! <clears throat> so they've ended up capturing him and they've put him in jail in Jersey, right? So at least he's not in the UK. So now they've, they've done him for something that he'd done in Jersey and he got like two years for it. So he's had this small sentence over in Jersey, but while he's there, he's not in the UK because he was facing 14 years in like on the mainland, you know? Yeah. So he was more than happy being in Jersey. Yeah. So he was thinking away because it was a small Island and everyone's friendly. They're not like, you know, in the big cities in the UK, like hardened screws. So he was like trying to manipulate them and all that luck, and it was starting to work. So he thought that in a in a while we'd be able to sort of like, you know, sort of um, give him a, a little bung and then make his escape, you know, right. before his time was up and get shipped back to the UK. <laughs> but this is during the war, and as you may be aware, Jersey was one of those islands that got occupied by yeah. the Germans. Yeah. So now all of a sudden he hasn't got these cushy. Um, screws in there anymore mm. <clears throat> excuse me he hasn't got these cushy screws anymore he's got these bloody german guards you oh, know who don't like the english anyway oh. so he's thinking like you know if they release him he's gonna get have to go back to the uk again you know so he's trying to think of any way to to get around being released so he's ended up contacting the the head German, like the commandant or whatever you might call him, saying that he wants to be a double agent for the <laughs> for the Germans. And they're like, well, how can we trust you? He's like, well, look, I'm in prison. If I go back there, I'm going to get 14 years. So I don't want to go back to the UK. Yeah. I'll, I'll be patriated as a German and work for you against the British who were trying to sort of wreck my life, you know. <laughs> so they thought they'd give him a try. And they took him from Jersey over to Paris um, and he sort of enlisted 
if you like, into this spy school that was run by, oh, I can't remember where it is on me. I've, I've forgotten my notes now. But it's, it's <laughs> by a, a guy called Captain Stephen Goring or Gurning. And um, he was the spy master, the head of um, the army intelligence service, you know. So uh, they're, they're testing him and teaching him how to use the radio, teaching him how to use German. Um, Jellic Knight, which he didn't really need much. He'd had more practice than most of his fucking <laughs> men anyway, you know, blowing up the safes. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that's where they were. They're, they've brought him in to be a spy. So the time has come where they're flying him into the UK um, over, I think it was over Norfolk. And as he went to jump out the plane, oh, because obviously they teach him to parachute as well. That'd be a good <laughs> thing to do, wouldn't it? As, they've, as, they've, as he's jumped out the plane, um, he's got caught up on it. And it's, it went for a little bit further. He ended up untangling himself over Cambridge here. And he's, he's landed there. But as soon as he's landed and he's got on him, he's got a wireless, he's got um, uh, a thousand pound in cash, he's got a gun. You know, he's got all of these different bits that a spy might have. As soon as he's landed, he's gone to the police station and said, look, I'm a German spy. No. Get, me, get me the MI5. So he's, he's got this grand as well. Right? That's that's quite key to it, you know. Yeah. Um, because that's in the end, that's all he's about is for the fucking money, you know. Okay, that's yeah, his main yeah. thing. But um, yeah, so he contacts them, and um, they they think he's sort of half joking at first, but then they realise he's not because when they do contact London, because this is a time when London, like um, Scotland Yard, was the notorious Scotland Yard, and all the other police stations were just like satellite ones, you know. So they've contacted London, and it turned out. They knew that he was being trained up by the Germans anyway, and they were just waiting for where he's going to turn up. Wow. So what he had to do was his mission. Oh, sorry. MI5 have come and got him, took him back to wherever, you know, mm. and debriefed him, not take his pants off, but in, intelligence-wise <laughs> debriefed him. Liked it, liked it. <laughs> and um, so he was, he was tasked, tasked with going to Hatfield, in, I think it's near Watford, Hatfield, um, there was a, a munitions or a, an airplane factory there um, called, what was it called? The Heliard. I'll write it down somewhere. It was called, so it was tasked with sabotaging the, the Heverland um, aircraft factory in Hatfield. That's where we were. Mm. So he had to sort of in, infiltrate the, the factory itself, get to know someone, possibly even get a job there, um, and then just mess it up so they couldn't produce any aircraft. So he's told MI5 this. So what MI5 have done, oh, they took him to um, Latchmere House, which is in Richmond, and um, it was called Camp 20. Now, Latchmere House is quite relevant to me mm. because it got turned into a prison in the 60s, like a D category prison where the prisoners go to be released. Yeah, yeah. And that was the prison that I got released from was Latchmere House. Wow. Full circle. It, yeah, and it had like old, not quite billets, but very 1940s buildings, you know. Mm. So hopefully I may have walked across <laughs> the um, the yeah. boards that he did. Wow. So they took him there. And so 
to protect Chapman, and they knew that this that the Germans were going to be flying over, doing reconnaissance and listening to the to the news and whatnot. And I don't know if you're aware, but newspapers and radios have never gone along with the police and just reported fake news, if you like, to help them because it's not in their interest. Yeah. You know? But at this point, they did. Now, what they done was they in, enrolled a magician, the uh, Paul Daniels of the time, <laughs> a, a guy called, he's, he's got a weird name, it's Jasper Maskelyne. Oh, and yeah. it's it's M A S K E L Y N. If I've it's produced, if it's sound masculine, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they they um, they got him, and what he done, him and a group of camouflage experts made a load of um, um, like uh, electricity generators, yeah, out of wood and paper mache, but in, they made them look like they'd been, you know, they'd been in this fire or exploded, you know, so oh, they was out yeah. of use. And what they also done was they got hundreds of square metres of canvas and the magician and these guys painted on it to make it look like the warehouse had been on fire. So there was big black marks. So when the plane flew over at 50,000 feet or whatever yeah. it does, and it takes the photographs, from the sky, it looks like there's been a fire there. That's and, and then, as I was saying, I don't know if it was radio or a newspaper, but they reported, I think it was a newspaper, mm. reported about this explosion at the the, the Heverland um, factory. Yeah. So it got back to the Germans that it had happened. They'd flown over, seen the photos. So MI5 have released... Um, Eddie Chapman, Agent Zigzag, <laughs> and let him back to Germany. So he's been welcomed with open arms. They trust him like no one's business. And then now Eddie's coming up with ideas of how they can blow up a ship, for instance, with yeah. with um, getting Jellignite, but making it look like coal. And he was going to plonk it into the um, into the, the the coal scuttle or whatever you call yeah. it. You know where they keep all the coal and then blow the boat up. Um, so it was MI5 who told him to do that. He's gone back and told the Germans. The Germans said, brilliant. And so he's coming up with the ideas and he's successful as far as the Germans know because it's being faked this end. Mm. Now, this went on for quite some time. And let me just catch up with where I am. He was that successful that a couple of years later, the Germans awarded him the Iron Cross. Stop. Now, the Iron Cross is like our Victoria Cross. It's, yeah. uh, it's issued for, for those people with immense bravery. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful story about this, this fella who was just a burglar, who was chancing his arm mm. to sort of just get himself out of a situation. And it's like, you know, when you try and get yourself out of a sticky situation and you just end up more sticky yeah. than when you started, you know, yeah. that's what happened to him. Oh. But he was flying on the arse of his pants, you know. That's brilliant. And, uh, that, I love that. It sounds like he was a born spy. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? And yeah. then the, the, the spy master over here, the MI, he's, excuse me, I'm getting a bit fucking excited and carried away with myself. <laughs> but his right. MI5 spy handler over here, which I did write his name down, but I've not been following my own. Um, oh, his name was Ronnie Reed, his spy master. Mm. He was a spy handler for 32 years or something like that. Yeah. And he said that um, Eddie Chapman 
was by far the best spy he'd ever encountered wow. or even or even heard about. Because he's used to ducking and diving in day-to-day yeah. life, so he's used yeah. to it. So he's got that in his face. Yeah. on his face, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. But how mad's this gal? While you was talking, I searched the story, and it's really similar to the story you've just told. Have you heard about it when Germany built a wooden airfield to trick the pilots? Oh, yeah, it was all going on. We had... We had planes like we we'd have like one ship sailing along, yeah. towing these wooden um, flat ships that from the sky looked like these great big um, fighter ships, you know, and they yeah. was just like lumps of wood floating in the sea, you know. Yeah. So we was doing it to each other. So yeah, they built this aircraft. Uh, that we noticed what they were doing, Germany, and they were building it. And it took them about two years, <laughs> a lot of manpower and a lot of resources, but we let them just carry on. Thinking Brilliant. they were getting one above us, and they was going, "Oh, we're going to trick them." So you know what we did? We Go bombed on. them with wooden bombs <laughs> <laughs> to say you're, you've been had. Basically, Super. it was absolutely genius, absolutely. girl. Genius. I love that. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, it's yeah, brilliant, Eddie, isn't it? Eddie Chapman. Oh, and that was a brilliant story. Um, oh, because oh, because the UK, the MI5, give him six grand to go back to Germany with. Yeah. And he was just putting the dough to one side. Every time they're giving him money, yeah. he's sort of like putting it aside. And in between all of this, he got done for, for I think it was like race dog doping or something like that. Oh. Like while he was in the UK and there was stuff going on, he was still involved in crime over here. He's not happy oh. with like risking his life at every fucking <laughs> moment of his day. So he got involved with this like this dog doping thing and he got arrested for it. Wow. But he found out that he was like untouchable because he was he was one of the most important people in the country, like <laughs> quite literally. So whatever he'd done, he just kept getting away with. So he oh, was just using that. To sort of... it's, it's brilliant. But it's it's a fascinating book. And it was it was so good. I've only done it a couple of three times in my life. Not that I've read a million books, <laughs> but it was one of those that I finished it, told someone about it, lent it to someone, got it back, and read it again. Oh, brilliant. It was it was fascinating. I'm gonna have to read it. I've got to. I love yeah, it. Agent Zigzag. I love the fact that it's been under wraps for 60 years as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, we so knew so that he'd done it, but yeah. there was details within it. And I, I don't know what the, the bits were that were under wraps because all the time through the 50s, 60s, 70s, he'd appear on different news programs and, mm. you know, do interviews and stuff about his time. But yeah. there was certain stuff that he wasn't allowed to say. Wow. Um, and and it, it was meant to it, it come out at, Round about that time, you know, maybe a, a year or eighteen months before the books were released. Wow, that's yeah. amazing! Yeah, that's so cool. Brilliant story, isn't it? Agent Zigzag to the rescue. <laughs> oh. yeah. Love it. So, I think you covered. Do you remember hearing about that? Crime? Yeah, I know. I was getting ahead of myself. That's that's the no, reason. That's all right. I've sat and wrote all these notes, and then just put them aside and <laughs> fucking not taking any notice. To be of them. fair, girl, that happens quite a lot, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> I didn't yeah. even look at the notes. And at the very end, said, "Oh, I was meant to read the whole of this, and I didn't." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it. So, can you tell us a good crime that nobody's heard of? Right. This. Do you listen to a podcast called Case File? An Australian guy. I've heard of it. I have listened to a couple. I've got Case File the Game, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got it for Christmas. So when I got into podcasts a couple of three, four years ago, um, it was a crime one that I was looking for. And I only listened to two because I tried others. And the way they 
talk, explain things. Some of them don't quite gel with me. And the only two that do are um, Case File, the Australian one, where they speak. They initially started speaking about just Australian crimes. Then it went on to American, UK. And, you know, there's only so much crime that's happened in Australia, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But there's another one called um, They Walk Among Us. Do you listen Yes, your favourite in it. Yeah, so he's got a very monotone voice, and uh, a lot of people don't like his his tone. But that's what appeals to me because he puts no emotion in at all. But I digress. So this is one from Case File, and I was coming back from a um, uh, an art exhibition just a couple of years ago. No, last summer, and this was on on the way there. I was listening to this story. And I made myself 20 minutes late because I couldn't bear to finish this podcast and, uh, you know, like stop the podcast and finish it after I'd met these other artists. So, um, yeah, I made myself late because I wanted to listen to the end of it. (laughs) Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. (laughs) But it was episode 212. Right. And it was a, about a guy called Carl Denker, D-E-N-K-E. Um, and I, I'd, not, I'd not heard of it before. Um, he, Dutch. German. Uh, he's German. German. Yeah. And he was born in a place, or he was born in Prussia, in a part of Prussia that is now Poland, or that okay. was Poland, mm-hmm. to German parents. Right, so I'm being a good boy and following my notes. Oh, there's here. a character called Denko in Downton Abbey. Ah, okay. That's why I know. <laughs> well, hopefully he's not descended from the same ones. <laughs> so growing up, he was said to be a quiet, soft spoken, but a difficult child. I don't know what the difficult meant. Mm. And at the age of 25, his dad died. And he's um he got left a, a small bit of inher- inheritance. He bought himself a little plot of land, like a small holding, um, to make his living from there. But that fell through very shortly, and he had to sell the building and ended up moving into town. Um, and he got himself a, like a, 
an apartment in in town and he was known because he was quiet he was known as being quite a reputable person and he used to sell um pickled meats bearing in mind this is like the early 1900s yeah what a start of the 1900s oh it's probably actually because he was born in 1860 he was probably and he was 25 so was, mm. he's probably like 1890 at the time yeah. yeah so that's what he used to do was sell these pickled meats and um at one point he was in the in the town and a, a beggar a homeless person has uh has asked him for for money yeah. and he said well i'm illiterate can you come and write a letter to my brother um and i'll give you 20 fennig whatever a fucking fennig is but he was going to give him 20 of them anyway 20 fennigs you know yeah. what i'm thinking like a piece of fruit 20 pieces of fruit have to <laughs> take it but he did want some food some pickled sausage. <laughs> we all love a pickled <laughs> sausage, ladies. <laughs> Gary, have you ever heard of pickled meat in your whole life? Um, I don't think so. No, I but, don't think so. But this is a this is 150 years ago yeah. in a poor part of Germany. Mm. So maybe well, they didn't have fridges then, did they? No, so pickled everything. Yeah, so it'd be pickled or smoked, I presume. Yeah. I don't I don't think I have. I think you get in Scandinavia. Do they pickle fish? Don't they? They do. So yeah. perhaps it's a similar thing. Yeah, similar. Because yeah. it's landlocked, they don't have fish, so they pickle their meat. I don't know. <laughs> but he, that's what he done anyway. He used to sell that. We he digress. Got, <laughs> he's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't even pickled think, meat now. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what meat could be pickled <laughs> and whether I'd want any anyway. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> what would fit in a jar? Sausages. <laughs> Sorry. It depends how big the jar is, doesn't it? <laughs> it does depend how big the jar is. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... Yeah, um, get back to Paul's story. Right, so the, the, the vagrant's name was... Um, what was it? It was Vincenzo Olivier. All right. So he was the vagrant. He's come back to write this letter for, for Danka. Um, so he sat down and he started to narrate the letter to... To, Olive, to Olivier, and he started writing the first line. Then all of a sudden, he's received a massive blow to the side of the head. Oh, no. He's looked round, and this old man, who's or older than him anyway, has, has got a pickaxe, and he's done him across the side of the head with a pickaxe. Bloody hell. So he's managed to sort of fight him off and get out of this flat. Mm. And he's run into the town shouting like there's a madman, and he's got a big gash on the side of his head. Yeah. So police were called, but this anchor has ended up being quite a respectable person in the town. And this travelling vagrant, they didn't believe him, although he did have this big gash on the side of his head. Mm. So um, they've taken them both down to the police station. They've questioned the pair of them. But they've still believed Danka, and they've nixed the vagrant for vagrancy. And oh. um, there was a there was another crime. It was to do with begging, I think. Mm. Um, they've they've nicked him for that as well. Oh. Um, but he he was insistent that he'd done that um, done that to him. So the judge said, "Well, look, we've got both of them here. If a couple of views officers could go away and uh, just have a little scout round his his flat or his apartment." Mm. So they've told. Danka that they're going to do this. They've gone away to search the flat. Um, Danka, for whatever reason, um, has hung himself 
in the in the in the um, police cell. Yeah. So when the police have got there, I'm going to have to return to my notes here. When the police have got back to his flat, they were searching it, looking for evidence of this pickaxe to see if it was true. And they started finding bones. Yeah. And they found a ledger, and they was reading this ledger, mm. and he stated in there the names of these 30 victims oh, God. that he'd killed and butchered. Mm. There was evidence of cannibalism. I was going to say they had a pickled meat, didn't they? And hence oh, the pickled sake. meat. So for a couple of years, <laughs> he was selling pickled meat to the townspeople. Oh, no. And when it came out, everyone was going, no, it was dog. Even though dog wasn't allowed, they were saying, we thought it was dog, so we was eating it. And everyone's going, no, mine was definitely dog, because no one wanted to oh, own up to being a fucking cannibal. Jesus. So for, for many a year, he'd been kidnapping these vagrants and these mm. people that would go missing without any sort of suspicion or anyone being alerted. And he's chopping them up. And uh, when they found all of these bones and took them to a bonologist or, or whatever <laughs> the bone person may be. They said that they've itemized all of the bones they've got. And I did make a list of it somewhere on my phone. I couldn't be bothered to write all this out because there's quite there was a definitely lot. definitely pickled sausages there. <laughs> For fuck's right, sake. There was. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Could you imagine it? So if anyone offers you pickled sausage, pickled meat in a jar, tell them to go fuck themselves. Oh. There's a reason why we picked up on that point because there's no <laughs> such fucking thing as pickled meat. No. Right. So we had, there was, um, I think it was 16 femurs, oh. a pair of remarkably strong ones. So it's possibly a male, well, probably a male. Yeah. Two pairs of very thin ones. Definitely wasn't mine. Um, mine six down. pairs of two left femurs, 15 medium sized pieces of long bones. That's a bit um, a bit vague. Yeah. Four pairs of elbow bones. Oh my god! Seven heads of radii. Don't know really know what radii is. No. Um, I don't think it's a radish. <laughs> That's um, what you used to pickle them. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was eight lower parts of the elbow, a pair of upper shin bones, a pair of lower elbows, and radii. Would that be the joint, do you think? I don't know. Could be. Um, of which extremities still remained well, well connected. A pair of upper arms and a pair of upper arm heads. Bloody don't yeah. know what that is. Shoulder? Shoulder. Possibly. Quite a translation. Um, come back a bit funny, but... There was a pair of collarbones, oh, two shoulder blades... 18 heels and ankle bones. Oh, God. 120 toes. Oh. Ooh. So how many people is that? 12? 65 feet. 18. Uh, <laughs> yeah, six, 65 feet and five oh. ribs and hundred piece, 150 pieces of rib Deca oh, and they found a nut, sorry. Yeah. And they found um, 150 pieces of ribs decades later. Oh, 
Fucking oh, hell. I was going to say, did they check that small holding and find the <laughs> stuff? Because I bet they did. So that's that's what Danka was doing. And that's a story that I hadn't heard. And I've yeah. I've um, stumbled my way through the story. And when I was listening to that story, oh. it was um, quite blood curdling. And I was thinking mm. of, the, uh, of the poor townspeople who had inadvertently um, been... Buying flesh, Miguel Sweeney Todd vibes. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, when you mentioned he moved into a flat, I straight away thought Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> there and you go. Done the same sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Something. And he was called. I think he was called. The. I didn't write this bit down because I didn't want to say it before I told the story. Yeah. Because then that just give it away. But I think he was called like the the butcher of monster uh, Munsterberg, oh. the town he come from. Oh, wow. That's a great one. Yeah, well done, Gal. I've never heard of him. And he- no, nor had I. And that was the thing, because you think that all of the really bad stuff just happened in, like, the 1900s onwards, yeah. don't you, you know? 1970s California. <laughs> yeah, the that's golden age thing. of serial killers. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but, yeah, so that was, yeah. what was what was the year of that? Again, that was 1860. And he, and it all, oh, it culminated in 1924 when he topped himself. Yeah. So at that point, he was... What was he, he 40, 64? Yeah, he knew his time was up. Wasn't yeah. he? As soon as the police said yeah. they were going to go and check his flat. He's like, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, wow. God. Well done for finding that gal. Oh, it found me. It was, uh, yeah. it was the next yeah, podcast well, I was meant that. to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I flirt between that one and have you tried I Could Murder, a podcast? No, no. I'll write it down, though. Yeah, yeah I flirt good. between the two. So I have They Walk Among Us because it's so quiet, factual and quite monotone. And when I need cheering up, I go over to Michael Murder. And that's, that cheers you up, right? Yeah. Carol, move do. away from her. Move away. <laughs> 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 I'll tell you what, that, that um, the uh, They Walk Among Us, mm-hmm. I, I nearly mentioned um, this episode um, as on, on here because it was it was just so... It was just so chilling. And it was the one where, um, you know, the guy in Manchester who, who had one eye and they, yeah. they nicked him about 10 years ago. Yeah. And he shot the two female coppers. Mm. It was, I was listening to that walking back from the train station to, to my house one night. And they had, um, if you remember, he phoned up the police to say someone's trying to burgle my house mm-hmm. and gave them the address he was in so yeah. that he could take out two cops before he went away. Yeah. And it so happened to female coppers um, turned up. And he, he he said that he always felt bad that um, two female coppers turn up, but he didn't have to shoot them, you know. No, you know. Um, but the, it was the, they played you the phone, the actual phone call. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I've, I'm hardened like most of us are nowadays from stuff we've seen and heard on the telly and um, on the internet. But actually hearing this guy's voice, being so calm and collected, mm. knowing what the outcome is going to be for these two people, I've, I've literally had to fucking, I'm getting out of breath and, you know, and I've, I've literally um, stopped at this yeah. at this fence and I've held on to the fence because I was like, I, don't, I, I, I didn't want to hear the end of the conversation, yeah. but I needed to hear the end of the conversation. And yeah, he's one of the people, one of the few people in the UK that are never going to be released. And yeah, and fucking right. good job on all. You don't need pricks like that in the world, nah. do you? 
No, you don't. No, you that's really don't. so cold and calculating, isn't it? No, that's, yeah. that's not a crime of passion or something that's happened in the heat of the moment, is it? He's no. gone out of his way to kill those two people, regardless of whether they're yeah. men or women. He didn't yeah. care, did he? And oh, what no, ones I've not heard would... of that case. That's terrible. It's awful, isn't it? What ones would you... I, I do apologise for asking questions, what? but that's the, well, the that podcaster in me coming out. What would your um, favourite crimes or the... Um, the most specific crimes to you be do you think oh right well, we've covered quite a few cases now haven't we yeah and, um but i don't know some we we quite like to do like more of the more obscure ones really don't we as well oh, as the bigger ones 100 yeah. the obscure ones fascinate us more and they i think they open up another door to like it's not just because we always say don't we we can't understand how some cases get the more, more popular more than popular others. than others mm-hmm. yeah so, the more obscure ones do seem like you have to do a lot more work to get there. But when you find just a little snippet of information that you, you've you found out, so you're hoping every, no one else knows about it, it gets a bit... <laughs> no, yeah. oh, we, we've, we've done it. Like, we've solved so many cases, Gal. Oh, of course, of we've course. We've solved them all. So yeah. just by having them little snippets, it just means we can solve the cases easier. Yeah. But when, when you had cunt on the other week... Um, and you were talking about Fred West. Yeah. I mean, as bonkers as it sounds, he was a sadistic, sick serial killer. Yeah. But you sort of kind of like him. Mm, <laughs> There's a little yeah. something about him. He's a bit of a Benny out of Crossroads type of character, isn't he? Yeah. And um, he, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. He did say, he, that's why it's so interesting to look into these cases. A yeah. firm reached out to us, gal, and said he was a friend of someone who knew him, who played pool with him, wasn't it? And when he was, was it darts? darts. And when they got arrested, I was like, no, not them, they're lovely. <laughs> lovely Rose West, the lovely. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? But that's, the, that's <clears throat> the thing. If you don't know what someone does in their spare yeah. time, yeah. you know, they're just the person that, that are in front of you. Yeah. You know, most, most people have got a, a hidden secret if you like or a part of their personality they yeah. don't let on and yeah. you know some of them might be quite severe you know I'm, I'm, i don't think there's many serial killers out there but mm. yeah we yeah. don't know what the person is sitting next to us do we no you're and i've got right. yeah exactly i've got no one sitting next to me and you used to sit next to each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah we do like yeah i like doing fred and rose i liked um we like the jack ripper case yeah we? it's obviously two big cases but um yeah you find out all the time gal like everyone we try and do like they always say they were the pillar of the community they were such a support system yeah. Yeah. They were that delroy grant looked after his invalid wife for years and years and years yeah. he was going out raping old Old folks, women yeah, and women. Because I know you mentioned the Martin Clunes program with him in it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was fucking excellent, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. That, that case is something else, and that is mm. to a T what we read about as well, isn't it? They didn't really miss much out from the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I read the book about yeah. uh, Colin Sutton wrote about capturing that fella. And I know that you you are quite big on the nature or nurture thing yes. from episodes yeah. that I've listened to, and. I, I go down more the line of nurture because there's so many people that I've met 
um, who have done some bad things, you know, some have done very bad things. But when you sit and talk to people, like when I was in jail for all those years, mm. you sit and speak to people and you've got someone going, oh, you know, my mum was an addict. My, my fucking stepdad used to beat me yeah. or, or my stepdad used to fucking abuse me when he yeah. came out in the pub sexually, violently. And there's so many people where fucking shit lives yeah and then they just grow up and don't please don't think i'm sticking up for these kind of people but you can be watching a program about a pedophile you start off going that fucking scumbag then you listen to the life that they've lived and you go well obviously they've turned into that because that's what they're a fucking product of and that's the only way i'm not justifying what they do but you can understand why they at least think that way as soon as they act or press enter on the keyboard or, you know, sort of do something physical, then obviously they've crossed that line. But all the time they've got this stuff going on in their head. Yeah. It's just a fucking vision of, of um, you know, what they had as a youth. Yeah, I completely agree. That's why I like to do the childhood bits, because I need an answer. I need them to be, I know this sounds really wicked, but natured in a way, I'd rather nurtured, sorry, I'd rather it be nurture. I'm, in my heart, I want it to be nurture rather than nature because I can't understand how someone can be that vile, you know? Yeah. And I, if, if by any chance there's just a bit of, um, a bit of trauma or something, I can then understand it and I can then accept it. Yeah. Rather than the ones like Joanna Dennehy. Um, do you know her? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She was just there nothing's been uncovered in her background that we could find, was there? That yeah. no. She just turned on a sixpence when she turned 13. And it may be a personality disorder, it may be something, but that would be nature. And that scares me more yeah. than nurture. Really. But scary. saying that though, like I've got a brother who's a couple of years younger than me. Mm. We obviously had the same upbringing with a single parent in in Dagnum. Um, We was, you know, he was as skint as I was. You know, we obviously had the same everything. Mm -hmm. And I was a little shit from the Mm get-go and he wasn't. And, you know, we, as I say, we were both nurtured the same. You know, we both had fuck all and, Mm -hmm. you know, bringing up in the same house. But But I went down that path and he went down that one. And, Looking back on myself, because, um, you know, when I went away, I was a, a completely different person to mm. the one you're speaking to now. And I had a lot of fucking soul searching while I was in there to try and pinpoint where it was that it fucking started. Trying, if, if anything, to be honest, I was trying to look for someone to fucking blame, saying, it's yeah. your fault I'm this fucking arsehole, you know. Mm. But I couldn't fucking find anyone. <laughs> so it had to be me or situations or just that little thing of possibly not even getting in the wrong crowd because I don't want to try and blame a crowd I was with but just sort of I liked the thrill of the chase that knocked down ginger getting chased by a copper you know all that sort of fun thing that the lads on my estate were doing Mm. but I just kept when they stopped at 16 17 and got a job and responsibilities I just carried on doing that up until whenever yesterday yeah <laughs> but you by the sounds of it you was sort of exposed maybe where your brother might not have been like possibly but who knows you know yeah no I, I, there's lots of serial killers out there and most of them are not only children yeah i'm they're, not serial killer. yeah this is the thing they're brothers and sisters no no but just to, to what lauren was touching what lauren was saying when she tries to do the deep dives it's 
you know, like for instance, Jeffrey Dahmer's got a brother. No one knows who he is because he didn't go around talking people up. Oh, yeah. no. And oh, no. he had exactly the same parents and upbringing and opportunities. And he was just wired. But sometimes people just uh, flip a little bit when they start uh, taking drugs. Yeah. That can that can be. I think that was what happened to Joanna Dennehy. She mm-hmm. got heavily into drugs and alcohol, and that completely changed her personality. So that's quite an, an obvious reason why people do. But another thing that I've looked at, and I'm sure that there's been studies on it as well, <clears throat> in the world where everyone expects males and females to be equal and the same and mm-hmm. uh, the same outlook, we've got a prison population of around about eighty odd thousand, yet like less than 15% of those are women. And it's, it's always struck me how, why is it the men that commit the crime? You know? <laughs> yeah, and, we uh, always struggle to find a female uh, subject matter for our podcast because there's yeah. hardly any. It's true. It's your breed. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, yeah, so it's, I don't know if it's, it's that sort of hunter-gatherer thing that's that's in the man and the maternal side that is in, you know in the in the woman who, who you know who knows but yeah it's just it's just fun and and serial killers there's there's very few female ones it's uh yeah and they do just us entirely different reasons breed. what men do as well usually it's just for money yeah that's well, you do find a lot of the women in there because i go back in yeah. jails now often and give yeah. talks and you know what have you and um, i'm part of a prison charity and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. but you do see that a lot of the women in there have just been coerced into the situation that got them into prison. So it might be the guys are asking them to look after a load of gear because they haven't got to have it on them so they can give it to the girl. So the girl gets searched by the police as well and she's got, like, you know, several grams of gear on her. Mm. She goes away. Or the guys go, like, put this knife in your bag or put this pistol down down the front of your trousers because this cop ain't going to search you. They get a female copper out and the girl's got a knife or a gun on her or mm. what have you, you know. And a lot of the time they have been coerced by the guys. Yeah, so they might have They've just been, like, stitched up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, though, definitely. We're always scratching around to yeah. find women's subjects, aren't yeah. we? There's not really that many, to be honest. The, no. the ones that are around are really, really famous because they are quite rare. They are. They are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I like that nature versus nature oh, versus no. Interesting, isn't it? It all, yeah, it yeah, does. It is, especially for someone like you, Gary. You get to talk to people like all all walks of life and to see see it firsthand. Yeah, it is. So, have we got any questions left? Yeah. Um. Any TV recommendations? Documentaries? Oh man! But you've always yes. your favourite pods, haven't you? No, this isn't going to be a podcast. This is something I saw on Sky, and I'd known about this guy. I'd read about this guy, but they'd done an interview with him. Um, And did you see the the Iceman Confessions? No, I haven't. Right. Fucking hell, man. This is one scary piece of shit. Did you see it, Lauren? No, well... My one of my favourites, I could murder a pod. Have literally just released it. I kept saying to Carol, "I know this, I know this, and I think this is how I know it. I may have seen a snippet of it. I don't think I've seen it all, but I kept saying to you, don't I? I know the name. I know the mm. name. Because what did you say? You made a joke. 
Well, Lauren thought she'd heard of the Iceman. I said, are you thinking about that one out of Top Gun? Val <laughs> <laughs> Kilmer's coverage. Talk. That's the only Iceman I'd heard of. Yeah. But yeah, I was listening to a podcast about him today, funnily enough. Mm. It's a coincidence you mentioned him, actually, Gary. Oh, yeah, go on. Richard Kuklinski. Yeah. And you listened to something, did you say, uh, about no, him today? Yeah, I was just listening to a podcast about him literally just before we come on. It's such a coincidence, yeah. yeah. There you go. There's me yeah. trying to sort of think outside the box a little bit. But, no, but on this on this programme, they're talking to him face to face. And he is he's emotionless when he's talking. And he's almost fucking smarmy when he's talking about these yeah. murders. Mm. He's almost... Yeah, you can, because he, he's got no emotion in him, you think he's cold anyway. But occasionally he'll be talking about this murder and that murder because he was he was a hitman for the mafia, mm. um, so he says, and he'd done multiple murders. But um, a lot of them were, were crime-related. I, mean, I know every murder's a fucking crime, but they <laughs> was, it was amongst criminals, you know. Yeah. Um, and But when he'd be telling these stories about how he murdered this person, for instance, he'd have this little fucking smile on the corner of his mouth. Yeah. And you think to yourself, you're fucking reliving that and enjoying yeah, it. You enjoying know? That's, that's that. what you, that's yeah. what we feel because where he's got no emotions, we have to try and fill in the gaps ourselves. whether he's happy, mm. sad, regretful or, or what have you. And it is fucking chilling. Yeah. None more so than when he talks about, um, I, I'll, I'll make it this little, bit mixed up here but your the situation I'm about to say is correct I'm quite sure that a mafia guy has asked him to kidnap this guy and murder him mm. but he wants to watch him being murdered on film wow. so what he's done is he's got this guy I don't know if he drugged him or whatever but he's got him took him away took him out in the hills and in this I'm sure it was a cave um he's, he's tied him down in this cave set a camera up to record and left him of a night, went back of a daytime and the fucking rats had got to this guy and just slowly eaten him away. And he was saying like, you know, on, on this fucking film that yeah. you can see the rats just demolishing this living man who was oh, screaming oh, and what no. have you. What a way to go. But he was saying it as he was talking about it, just like you might describe I don't know, any other film that you've watched. Yeah. Jesus and it was just so cold and so chilling that mm. that was, that's the things that scare me now. You know, I've seen yeah. so much, but when, when I hear people do it and say it in such a heartless and non-caring way, yeah. that's what, what gets me now is someone's mind and heart rather mm. than their actions, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, it was fucking scary. And he was talking about, I think he, he was talking about one crime that he regretted or that the interviewer said, is there anything that you regret? And he just went to say something and then he stopped himself. And then you could hear in his voice that, that bit of sort of regret, you know, he, he, it's as if he was about to show, I was going to say as if he was about to cry, but in reality, he was just to sh about to show a bit of emotion. Yeah. And then he just fucking pulled himself back oh, yeah. and just went, I'm not talking about that anymore or something like that. Mm. But yeah, the Iceman, what was it called? The Iceman, Iceman Confesses Secrets of a Mafia Hitman on Sky. Right, yeah. I'm on it, gal. Proper proper scary because he, he's a big old lump anyway I, I think he was 
I think he come from Polish stock. Yeah. But he was a big old lump. He, he may have been about six four or whatever. You know, I'm I'm remembering the 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 dramatization of it mm. on this interview. Mm. Um but yeah, a big old lump. You can see how he um yeah, how yeah. He, he could be in, intimidating. Yeah, that's not that. I think yeah, he and his family with an iron fist as well. And so he must have, as you say, if he scared you, could you imagine what Harry's children must have feel being brought up by that? Yeah, well, they were saying that he was quite stern. But when it, again, like you were saying just now, when he ended up getting nicked, everyone's like, it can't be him. He's a, yeah, he's a yeah. fucking gentle giant. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, he was pillar of the community. He used to get the neighbourhood over for barbecues every weekend. Man, yes. He used to sell pickled meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pickled brats. <laughs> so, um, yeah, some woman's in there. Yeah, well, it's Wayne was saying, but uh, sorry. But yeah, a yeah. fascinating watch for you and, yeah, and anyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Can you tell us of any local crimes, Gal? Yes, I've got a good one here. And I was, I was going to say I was involved in it. I, I wasn't, it was a murder. It was an oh. assassination that I got questioned about. No. In, in, not about the actual doing it, but I'll, I'll come to it, right? Okay. So. Yeah. Right, I'm, I'm just getting myself comfy. It's all about this one. Prepared, yeah, look, here we go. Right, so I'd done seven years in jail. Um, I finished off, like I said, in Latchmere House, Camp 20, you know, decades previously for the spies. So it was an open prison, although it had a fence around it. So every day people were allowed to go out to work, to do community work. Um, so you was trusted. You was being... Um, filtered back into the community, if you like, yeah. you know. So that's what I was doing. At this point, I don't think I was, because I started university when I was in prison. I don't think I'd started university at this point. I think this was round about 
Christmas before I got out, but I was going out to work anyway. So one morning I've left there late to go to work for whatever reason. Sometimes you have like probation coming in or you have to stay behind to do whatever, maybe to see with the governor or what have you. But I was going out fairly late, possibly, I don't know, nine o'clock or something in the morning. Mm. Whereas most of us left at 6.30, 7 o'clock. So there was a guy on our wing and I knew it. I just knew his name was David Rhodes because we've all got a card outside our cell door and it has your um, your name, number, and how long you're doing. Oh, really? And, um, oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it did then. Whether it's changed over these yeah. years, I don't know. So you go along and when some... Sorry? What is the point of having how long you've got left? Like, what's the purpose of having that's, that? That's how long you're doing. Just so, yeah. I, I don't know what that's for, really. I was about to give you an answer, and I ain't got a fucking clue. <laughs> okay, it, it does <laughs> tell you. But it, it's possibly for the screws. Yeah. But the good thing is, when someone new turns up on the wing, they tend to put their they tend to put them away and put their card in this little holder. And it was a it was a long card. I'm holding my hands up, like about the size of one of those menus you get through the door for the yeah, local yeah. restaurant, you know. So um, you you sort of, when someone new comes on, you know, everyone likes a little bit of gossip. So you go along, just have a look at their name and see if you recognise the name. And the prison number at that point started with two letters. And you get to know what them two letters, what prison those two letters represent. Like I was LX and that represented Chelmsford. Um, at, at the time that when I got arrested, you know, so you have a look at their name, number, and then their sentence, um, that the length of time that they got given. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this new guy had turned up, I went and had a look, David Rhodes, hadn't heard of him. You don't open the flap because that's a bit intrusive, but there are little cracks and you can have a little look through the, <laughs> look through the crack about the new boy. Yeah, <laughs> to, see who it, to see who it is, you what know. What was his name again? Sorry, David know. Rhodes, R O A D S. So, um, yeah, he'd been there for a while and he never spoke to anyone. And uh, like people would say, all right, to him, but he had this air about him that he was, because if, if someone's not talking to you, you can only go by how they look. Mm, yeah. And when, you, when you're in jail or in any situation where you're in close confines with people, you sort of get to know someone's personality without meeting them if you if you know what I mean you know you you can get the gist of people a bit better than um you know those that might not be in that situation and he, he sort of had a little swagger about him he wasn't flashy he was but he never spoke to anyone so normally the people who don't speak to anyone are either nonces or grasses they've got something to hide you know yeah but he didn't I know you can't see what a grass looks like but um you can definitely see what a nonce looks like that's for sure um and he didn't look like any of those. Mm. And you'd say hello to him and he'd just go, he'd, you know, he'd be amicable, amiable, what's the yeah, word? Yeah, yeah, it'd, be, yeah. it'd be decent. You know, he'd go, Friendly. morning. Yeah. But that was it. He wouldn't, yeah. you know, you go, oh. He'd just be polite. And yeah, nice day, isn't it? He goes, yeah, and then carries on, you know. Okay, yeah. So he weren't evasive. He just didn't. So, and there's people in there who just want to crack on and do their time and, you know, for whatever reason. So this particular morning, I've gone to go out. And as we've gone out into the gate, you have to go into the gatehouse first and be sort of searched and all that on your way out, ironically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, as I've gone into the gatehouse, something has happened in the jail 
uh, and it, it could be fucking, and it, this happens on several times a day. The alarms go off, something's happened, so they just shut it, they just shut all the gates, all the doors to isolate the cons wherever they may be around the mm-hmm. prison. It just so happens I was in the gatehouse just about to go out, as was David Rhodes. So as I've gone into this room where these benches are, where you you do get searched, as I've walked out, I thought, oh, great, I'm going to have a fucking great half hour here, you know, like twiddling me thumbs because he ain't ain't one of a talker. Yeah, well, I got chatting to him. So I figured I'll just talk about me. You know, I'll ask him questions, but he's been not evasive, but he's not answering. So I just go, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And Mm. and then he was like, smile. And... he seemed to be sort of like warming to me, you know. I'm a fairly amicable bloke, you know. <laughs> and uh, it turns out he had a car stashed away, as a lot of us did. I didn't at this point because we was meant to go out, get on the bus, go to the station, get on the train. But what a lot of us done, and I, I did later on, you sort of get on the bus, go a couple of stops away from the jail, get off the bus. And then where you've stashed your car, you go and get in your car and ah, drive home, right? Oh, okay. So it turns out that he had done that and he trusted me enough to say, do you want to lift to the station? Oh, and then I was like, no, nah, I'm all right. I've got a, a, you know, a bit of time to kill. I'm, I probably weren't even going into work that day, you know, and yeah. just saying I wasn't having a day out in London or something, you know. I went, no, nah, go on, you're all right. And he was going out of his way to go towards Richmond Station because he yeah. was going the other way. He was from Kent. And, uh, yeah, so he's fucked off that way. I've come back this way. At the end of the day, I've come in. I had to be in at, like, we had various times that we had to be in by. Mine was, I think it was, like, 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock or something. So I've come in and done what I do, or done what we all do once we're in the jail, you know, sort of sit around talking bollocks and, <laughs> and, you know, doing what have you in the TV room. Then later on that night, the, there's just blue lights everywhere. You can, even though there's the fences, you can see through the fences in most of the park, you can see all these flashing lights around. There's a helicopter in the sky oh, no. going around. So um, you think, oh, fucking hell, what's going on there? And uh, we've noticed that this Dave Rhodes weren't back, but... Some people were allowed out. Some people, you've got to be back, I think it was by midnight or one o'clock or something. But some people were doing like bus um, jobs as bus drivers. So they might finish at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, Now, I don't think anyone was allowed to go through the night. Yeah. He was definitely allowed to go up to midnight. And because he went out on his own accord quite late, like 9.30-ish, he was obviously um, allowed back late at night. So I've looked at his and I thought, fucking hell, he ain't back yet. And I was telling the others how I fucking spoke to him. Mm. And then uh, the next morning, he still weren't back. And uh, they're going like, oh, he's, he's been, the screws are going, oh, yeah, he got, he got beaten up. He got uh, attacked on oh. his way in. He was parking around one side of the, of the um, it, this is in Richmond as well. So it's right on the edge of Richmond Park. Mm. And there's a council estate one side and like, how it is in a lot of parts of London. There's places yeah. where we would live, and then 30 yards away, there's multi-millionaires <laughs> yeah. living, you know. Yeah. And he was parking up on the council bit, walking maybe 200 yards, and, and the jail yet to walk down, a, I think it was even called Forest Road, no, Church Road, but one side of it was the woods, the other side was posh houses, prisons, and further down the council houses. Um, so, yeah, he'd parked up over there, 
And it, so that morning I'm about to, to go out, but I've not been allowed to go to work, right? The next morning. So I'm like, what the fuck? Then you start getting paranoid. Like, what's, that, what's happening? Why are they pulling me back? You know, what have I done? What do they think I've done? What have they found out about me? Mm. So I've got taken away that morning, not, not out of the jail, but from one part of the prison to another. And there's a couple of old bills sitting there. So they're saying, uh, you've heard what's happened to David Rhodes. And I was like, I heard he got beat up. They said, uh, no, he got two in the nut last night. someone's yeah someone's sort of when he's parked up they've done him twice in the back of the head they said it was a professional hit (gasps) right now as i said i used to be a different type of person then yeah and so the cop said you was the last one to see him oh no and i was like well hold on a minute i (laughs) saw him at like half nine quarter to ten or something you know and this happened i think it was like about half ten or ten o'clock quarter to ten at night you were back in the prison by then, weren't you? So yeah. Solid alibi. Oh, uh, that's exactly. That's what I'm going. Yeah, thank you. Like, to be honest, like, you know, I've always been a bit cocky, but when it comes to something like that and someone's, you think someone's pointing the finger, yeah. like yeah. my arsehole fell out and I'm going, no, 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 no. But um, so I'm, I'm saying exactly that. Yeah, I was in, in the jail at that yeah. time of night. And they said, uh, then they told me who David Rhodes was. And... David, there was, have you heard of the Brindles, South London family? Yeah, yeah. Right, so one of those brothers is, one of those family members is called Tony Brindle. Yeah. Now, Tony Brindle is a well-known villain, was a well-known villain in the 80s, 90s, what have you. So whatever happened, someone, I think it was in Ireland, put a hit on Tony Brindle and paid an IRA man to come over and do Tony Brindle on his doorstep, like assassinate him. So the police heard about this, and the police set up outside, this is all documented, the police set up outside Tony Brindle's house, waiting for this IRA man to knock on the door with the gun to assassinate him. But I'm quite sure they wanted to wait until he was about to do it because he could have said like, if they pounced on him early, they could have said, all right, I'm just got possession of a gun. Mm. They wanted to get the next stage. They yeah. wanted to get a bigger nicking. So what they've done, the old bit were fucking Tony Brindle's opened the door. The bloke started opening up on him, yeah. shooting him and the fucking police are sat there letting it happen or watching it happen. Yeah. They say they watched it happen. Everyone else is saying they let it happen yeah. because Tony Brindle was Tony Brindle. Yeah. So anyway, they've pounced on him. They've Tony Brindle survived. Um, they've got the IRA bloke. The IRA bloke, you know, went away and whatever, whatever. But they've traced the gun back, or I, I don't know how they found out that it was David Rhodes that supplied the gun. Oh, okay. right. So now he's associated with the attempted murder on Tony Brindle. Oh yeah, Tony Brindle was much further up the criminal ladder than I ever was, but I was very much a violent person Mm -hmm. in them times. And I was associated with another criminal family in, in London, um, used to work a lot with them. And that's when the police said to me, my friends are Brindle's friends. Did I contact anyone to say, I've just been with David Rhodes. He's going to work. He's coming back at this time. 
so they're only questioning me. Yeah. Have I, was I the sort of giving the my lot? In between, the inf- yeah. But bearing in mind, I hadn't spoke to these guys because I changed my life halfway through or a couple of years into my sentence, pushed away all my criminal friends, my long-term criminal mm. friends, at least the ones who were still at it, pushed them aside. So I hadn't spoke to this family, yeah. the members of this family for about four years at this point. So, yeah, so they're just asking, or they're saying, putting it to me, that I contacted my old mates who then contacted the Brindles to say, right, he parked around this bit of the the thing. Because I was being open and honest. I, mm-hmm. I said, like, oh, because they'd already mentioned that he'd left his car, you know, they'd found his car and searched that. And I said, look, he asked me if I wanted a lift to the station. And he went, but you said no. Why would you say no? So he's question, and he, he was just a fucking genuine. Yeah, now nah, yeah. you're right. Go on, you crack on. And they're going, but everyone would want to lift to the station, you know, all that sort of. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, fucking hell, I've spent the last few years going in a really dark place to change my fucking personality and be a good person upon release. And now I'm just going to get webbed into a fucking oh, no. uh, conspiracy. And I don't know if you know, but if you get pulled into a conspiracy it's really really difficult to prove you're not or get out of it yeah. it's really really hard easy to get put into Sorry. a conspiracy fucking hard to get out of it yeah. and I'm thinking fucking hell that's it I've just yeah. done seven years I know I'm going to get pulled bad. in again it's like if the face fits like they want your face to fit so it will fit but with the logic that they had mm-hmm. like they let me go that morning and I went mm-hmm. to work but all day, well, for fucking weeks, yeah. I'm thinking it makes sense the way they're thinking. Yeah. They knew that I used to have it with this lot. Yeah. And now I'm the one giving information. Yeah. And I was like, fucking hell. Oh, so you've been um, over you for ages before you realise, like, like before they let you know that. Yeah. But then likewise, I'm thinking, fucking hell, if, if I do become a suspect, mm. they've just nutted him off. Oh, because yeah. he was associated. Your life could be in danger. Yeah, and then I'm thinking, oh, fucking hell, don't say I'm going to have the fucking Irish lot coming after oh, me. Because, yeah. because Dave Rhodes, he got done for um, possession of a firearm, Semtex, and ecstasy pills. Mm. And, you know, I mean, that's got IRA written all over it, hasn't yeah. it, you know? So, they, I mean, I wasn't bothered about the IRA. I didn't think the IRA or anyone would come after me. It did... F- flash into my mind and then yeah. the logical side of me said well like nah they, ah. they ain't gonna fuck about with that and, and and they couldn't get any proof on it because it wasn't it wasn't true but yeah, yeah. yeah so that is my association with a local murder it wasn't local oh, to yeah. us but it was um it was about 18 feet away from from my door his door was you know yeah that weren't how i was expecting it to go i thought he was going to be the one doing the murder so when you said he was murdered, I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought you were going to say he was one of the police that watched it happen. <laughs> that's why he was ah. like, that's why he didn't make friends, because he was a copper. Ah. Well, it, well, in this jail, um, we did have a few coppers in there who um, you, you didn't, people didn't really get bashed up in this jail because it was end of sentence. And it was mainly people who were doing, it was long term, people who were finishing a long term sentence. So it's yeah. four years and above. Yeah. So most of the time. If you have, if you have a tear up in there, you get thrown back into the system. Yeah, and you have your trust taken away from you. So most people in there are within a year of getting out. Yeah. So no one wants to nose that up. So even if there is 
coppers in there, you sort of just give them a wide berth. You don't yeah. go and give them a clump. You know, obviously there was fights in there. You know, I had yeah. fucking several myself. Um, but you don't purposely involve yourself in anything that you wouldn't do. Yeah. But one of the coppers in there was, do you remember when um, when they was after Kenny Noy and he just kept being one um, one place ahead of the police all the time? Yeah when they was after him for the murder, they had one of the coppers, if you remember, they arrested a copper for feeding Kenny Noy the information. And he was in there and he was regarded as one of your own because he was helping one of us, if you like, you know. Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense. Wow. Oh, wow. I like that. Thanks for sharing that story, Gary. Yeah. Well, it's quite all right. It was. I liked it. Thank you. I think it's probably as close to a murder as you're going to have. On that yeah, question, definitely. definitely. It's, it's it's quite frightening to think that 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 went on in a like South London normal suburban street. But if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen somewhere, isn't it? You know, yeah. It's, but it's always going to happen somewhere if someone's going to try and kill someone. That's you true. just don't. You just like you see things like that on telly, like dramatizations where someone a hitman just puts a couple of bullets in someone's head while they're like driving their car. Yeah. But if it's happening in real life, and you like. I mean, you've had them in in your town, haven't you? You know, even in in Grays a few years ago, there was that young lad who got murdered on the internet, wasn't it? You know, or after making friends on the internet. Yeah. 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 Down our friend's road, wasn't it, at the time? Yeah. All from. There was also near you, wasn't there? I think Stuart mentioned it on his podcast. Yeah. He did, yeah. 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 So it does go on. It's true. But yeah, it's pretty. But I don't think there's any specific or a good place for it to happen, is there? No, <laughs> no there ain't. Not so much. There ain't. So, is that the end of our question? It is. It cool. is. Okay. Did you want to ask Gary our game? Do you want to play our game, Gary? I've forgotten all about murder. this. Out of all these fucking notes I made, I forgot all about that. Yeah, go on. Go on. You want to play? You want to play? Of course. In the down, a few people we've been discussing tonight. So. Yeah, but there's, they're all men, and I've got a. Haven't I got to marry one of these guys? You have, oh, but you can yeah. just be companionship, girl. Okay. You that's all it can be. <laughs> a marriage of convenience. <laughs> <laughs> they're rich and you need money. <laughs> there you go. Or I've got, a, or I've, I've got a, a taste for pickled meat. Oh, no. <laughs> go on. Depends what kind of type of pickle. <laughs> so, should we go for the Iceman, Richard yeah. Kavinsky? Um, and The Spy. Oh, we've got to go for The Spy, haven't we? Zigzag. Um, Eddie Chapman. And who else should we go for? Um, should we go for Carl Denko? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. All right. Okay. So go on, Lauren, you explain it. What one wrong. would you meet? What one would you marry? What one would you murder? Out of Agent Zigzag? Carl Denko. Carl Denko or Richard? The Iceman. The Iceman. Yeah, we can't say his name. Richard Kleskinski. I got really scared because they've all got really unusual names. Yeah, my pen's running out. It doesn't. It's <laughs> <laughs> so it's meet, marry, murder. Yeah. yeah. Like, Mary has got to be Eddie Chapman. Yeah. So you've got yeah, to marry. I'm with I think, you there, girl. I'm a straight man. I think I'd still marry Eddie Chapman yeah. anyway. I'm with you all the way there, he's girl. He's cool as fuck, isn't he? Hey. And he's so wealthy. He's cracking all them saves. He's double agent in <laughs> governments, getting all the oh. money. And yeah, yeah, I'd be a part of that. Well, I'd be the innocent. Fun, what a fun life. I'd be <laughs> the innocent hubby sat at home in the apron <laughs> waiting for him. And it quite right, too. Marigold's on. <laughs> um, and it's out of the Ice Man and the the cannibal. I mean, the piccolo. Yeah, I mean, what have I done? I've done marry, so there is meat and murder. I think I'd rather meet. 
I, I know he, he's probably got the biggest body count, but it was um, Mr. Danka, mm. the cannibal. I think I'd, I'd meet him mm. um, as long as he's out in the street and when he's away from a pickaxe. <laughs> but the Iceman, he scared, he scared, you, he, he scared me, yeah. So I would, I would wipe that fucker wow. out, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. See, I was going to go, I thought you was going to go the other way just to see what, if he was secure behind bars and that and he couldn't hurt you, but he, you wouldn't do it now. No. And, and, and look, to be to be fair, you want to try a bit of pickled meat if you've never tried it before oh. anyway, don't you? He's going to tell you it's dog, so <laughs> oh, you're going to go, all right, yeah. I'll have a little bit of that. <laughs> just, oh, I'll have to, a be, to be honest, I would do the same as you, Gal, because obviously we can watch the Iceman Confessions, so that's kind of like meeting him anyway, isn't it? So, yeah, I'd like to meet Carl Denker as well. Wow. Because it was so long ago, you can't really get a feel for what sort of a man he was. Everyone said he was quiet, kept himself to himself. But, yeah, be interesting to meet him. Picking his teeth with someone else's bones. Yeah. <laughs> 120 toe bones. <laughs> Don't. Well, you're the accountant well, as well. I thought I was waiting for quick maths. Well, it didn't I did, happen, I did, yeah. I was, I said it's uh, yeah, 12, 12 bodies, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, so, yeah. Lovely to have you on, Gary. It's been Thank a pleasure to meet you. Absolute pleasure Thank to meet you. you. No, absolute pleasure to chat to you. Um, we'll sign off now yep. and we'll press record. Don't go anywhere. But um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.